Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast. Rise up, rise up, rise up. Welcome to the Midnight Ride. My name is David Carrico, and I'm here tonight with my co-host, John Pounders. And we're so very thankful for each and every one of you that are going to be joining us for the broadcast this evening. Tonight, our broadcast is entitled, The Five Satans Who Seek to Destroy Humans and Angels. And tonight, we're going to be giving you a big-picture look at the spiritual world through the lens of the book of Enoch. And we're going to be showing you the structure, and we're going to be focusing on the role of the Satans. Yes, not Satan, but the Satans. And we're going to be focusing on the role that they played, not only in the destruction of mankind, but in the fall of the bad angels. It's going to be a fascinating broadcast with a lot of keen insight for God's saints that are engaged in spiritual warfare. So get your spiritual warfare sword ready and buckle up because we are now live, live, live. What's up, YouTube? Truth Squad, Midnight Ride Truth Squad. We're always happy to be here on Saturday nights. This is the highlight of my week. And uh, the week is just starting to be the first day of the week coming up. And we're excited to move forward to what we're doing. We have so much. This show is going to be awesome. First off, this is something me and David talked about. What about a year, year or two ago? We were in the other, other office when you started your study on this subject. Uh, very compelling. No doubt you're not going to hear any study like this online uh, in this detail. 
This is the thing we love to do is go back to the ancient texts, go back and look and see what's really going on. Because as we know, we are living in a world where the rulers of this world, the archons, the rulers are liars and they tell us everything the opposite of what is true. And so the scripture tells us the truth. We're going to dig into that. And David, let's get the show on the road, man. Let's get started. Um, I was almost going to bring some hot wings tonight, some super hot wings, but I thought that might be a bad idea to eat right before we go on the show. But I'll tell you what, man, those sound really good right now. I was watching a show where they eat these hot wings and they go as hot as they can. I thought that might be a good way to start off one of our programs here, see how hot we can go with it. <laughs> well, I like hot wings, and I like the Book of Enoch. I don't know how much they mix together, but uh, anyway, we've got the Book of Enoch, and we're going to begin with the text and the doctrine of Christ in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 24 through 26. And this scripture speaks to the organization in the satanic kingdom. What we're going to see in this study by looking at it throughout, uh, through the lens. There we go. Put it up in the up in your grill there. All righty, I'll get it up in my grill. <laughs> All right. What we'll learn from looking at this through the lens of Enoch is that not only is the kingdom of God, but also the kingdom of Satan very organized, and we're going to be looking at this hierarchy and structure through the lens of Enoch, focusing on the Satans that were pivotal, pivotal in the original split. Now, the scripture says, but when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. Now, there is a structure and a hierarchy, and this is what we would call first heaven spiritual warfare, which is not what we're looking at. But, and Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself." How then, how shall then his kingdom stand? And we're going to be looking at the details of Satan's kingdom, how it originally split, how it is structured. And in the book of Enoch, which uh, I think most of our regular Midnight Ride listeners uh, are very familiar with our book of Enoch commentary, we get a lot of new listeners all the time. And if you're someone that doesn't like the book of Enoch and just wants to read the Bible, I'm so fine with that. And I believe that everything is in the Bible that should be in the Bible. But I also believe that God has brought the book of Enoch back at this point in time, specifically for God's people that are going to be going through the end time tribulation. We're going to show you what Enoch had to say about that. An insight into the dark realm and also insight into the angelic realm on God's side is going to be very, very important for us. We're standing at a point in time when we know 
that the abyss is going to be opened. And many of these creatures that we're going to be speaking of this evening are going to be coming out. Now, whether you'd like it or not, uh, they're going to be coming out. The restrainer is going to be removed. The abyss is going to be open. So it might not be a bad thing for us to know a few things about these issues. But in Enoch chapter 61 and verse 10, this verse speaks to this structure. And it's a complex one. Um, and, he's, and he will summon all the host of the heavens and all the holy ones above and the host of God, the cherubic, seraphim, and ophanim, and all the angels of power and all the angels of principalities and the elect one and the other powers on the earth and over the water. Now, there's a lot of stuff going on there, isn't there? And even more than we'll get to. And some of these are in the first heaven, some are in the second, and some are in the third. And we're going to be given kind of a top-down, big-picture look today. But there's a lot of complexity to the spiritual world. And I believe in praying targeted prayers. The more specific we can be when we pray, the more effective we will be. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man does indeed avail much. Now there's something that comes out in this text in Enoch 61.10 is the old finin. Now there's a word that, you know, people will say, well, that's not in the Bible. Well, it is, but it isn't. Uh, I'll show you what I mean there. Now, the word, and I, um, some of our friends, that would be what would be called King James only. And I only use the King James Bible, but I'm not really a King James onlyer because in the strict sense of that word, they do not believe in looking up words in the Hebrew and the Greek. Now, here is an instance where I believe that is very, very helpful. And I believe that we have an inspired translation. And to have an inspired translation, you got to have an, an inspired and an errant, inerrant text. But anyway, uh, in Ezekiel 10 and 9, here's an instance where I think it might be good to look up a word in the Hebrew. And when I looked, behold, the four wheels of the cherubims, one wheel by one cherub and another wheel by another cherub, and the appearance of the wheels was as the color of a barrel stone. Now that word wheel in the Hebrew is the word ophan, and this is the word that we see in the uh, book of Enoch, Ophanim. And literally what we have in Ezekiel 10 and 9, the Ophanim is a spiritual creature that is working with the cherubim to transport the very throne of God. Now in this picture, this is really a cool picture, and it's misleading as the way that the author uh, originally intended. And here's old Ezekiel here, and he's having a UFO visitation. Well, this is half true. And I don't even want to say it's half true because Ezekiel didn't see a UFO. He saw a cherubim and an ophanim bearing the very throne of God with Jesus Christ upon the throne. It was a theophany of 
our Lord Jesus Christ unto Ezekiel, but it is true that fallen Ophanim, you see, there's good Ophanim and there's bad Ophanim. Some are fallen, some are not, just like the cherubim. There are cherubim that have not fallen, cherubim that have fallen. And many of the sightings that are orbs, very frequently people see, they say, see orbs, balls of light, stuff like this all the time. These are fallen Ophanim, and they're huge in the lore of the UFO community. And these are right here explained in the book of Enoch. And here's one place not only where we can get insight, not only from the English but the Hebrew, but also we can get insight from the book of Enoch to help us understand what's going on here. Now, in the book of Enoch, chapter 1 and verse 1, the words of the blessing of Enoch, wherewith he blessed the elect and righteous who will be living in the day of tribulation when all the wicked and godless are to be removed. Now, here's one place where... Uh, the book of Enoch loses a lot of our dispensationalist friends because they don't believe that they are going to be here. They think they're going to be removed. But in the book of Enoch, just like in the doctrine of Christ, he said the tares are coming out before the wheat in Matthew 13, 30. And here we see that the wicked and godless are going to be removed and the book is intended for God's people that will be here in the time of tribulation. And I always have that in my mind's eye when I read the book of Enoch, and I always ask myself, if this was the intent of this book, how is this information going to help me? Understanding the spiritual world, and as I've already stated, listen, these guys are coming whether we want to believe it or not. You know, the restrainer will be removed. The abyss will be opened. I believe it now. And for a time, we have been experiencing the release of spirits that we have not had to deal with in times past. Things are not going to get better and better. Things are going to get worse and worse. But for the child of God, if we understand our authority in Christ and on the cross, we will know that these entities will be subject unto us. So this is why understanding is a principal thing. What really scares someone when they wake up in a dark room is not knowing where they're at or understanding where things are. You see, and we don't want to wake up in a dark room when the shoe drops. We want to know what's going on, and we want to understand these things because people that don't know some of the things are, that are coming when they see them come to pass uh, as the doctrine of Christ said, men's hearts will be failing them for fear, and many people will take their own life. Sad but true. It, it will happen. You want to say something, John? When you do, just jump in there, brother. Well, I just want to say that it's it's pretty amazing, you know, uh, given the, the major ancient alien push, ma major disclosure push, there's a right now in Area 51 – there is a big thing going on there. This is when they were supposed to storm Area 51. They're having a big uh, party there oh, right yeah. now as we speak. And the thing you said about Alphonims is interesting because I would say 50% uh, of the people that are listening tonight have probably seen these Alphonims 
oh, yeah. flying through these air, these orbs of light flying through the air, and all the people that are uh, have had these uh, ideas and are, are had these sights have seen that stuff. And that to me, that's really interesting. Also, you know, I've talked to people, you know, you talk about them coming from the abyss, which I believe they're, they are not extraterrestrial. They are, some of them are terrestrial here, and then you have the different heavens, but some of them are literally coming from the ground. Um, yeah, oh yeah. And there's a guy, you know, and I'm not going to give his name, no way, no how, but he does underwater surveillance for the Navy, and they hear things. And when you, if you ever find somebody that's ever done underwater surveillance from the Navy, dig some questions from them, you know, dig some questions and ask them what they've seen and what they've heard. Uh, very interesting and amazing stuff. And that's about as far with the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't want to get this guy in trouble, but, um, you know, there's Russians that said it. I've heard Russians say it before on uh, Ancient Aliens broadcasts, you know, that they're they know there's these beans coming from the water and they they just they don't want to mess with them because it's way more powerful than what they can configure you know themselves so interesting stuff anyways i'll, I'll leave it at that i know you got a lot to go through tonight to get to this uh, five satan idea because this is a lot of people are here just to hear about that i can tell you that right now so yeah um and um the uh research that we did into the mothman episode uh which was at plant mount pleasant west virginia which is on the ohio river the same river that goes right through evansville and during that time period the people that were on boats on the ohio river nightly all the way from uh, mount pleasant west virginia into evansville through louisville these ophanums were seen nightly there was just a rash of these ophanums uh, during this whole um mothman episode but that's just another interesting aside but i bet there are many 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 people that have seen these now we're going to go through enoch chapter 6 verse 1 through 6 and we have a lot of new listeners that i'm sure do not know uh the basics of the sons of gods and daughters of men as is recorded in the book of Enoch. But John, would you like to read this text and just comment on it briefly? Sure, I'll read it and I will comment. Enoch chapter 6, starting in verse 1, going through 6. And it came to pass, when the children of men had multiplied, that in those days were born unto them beautiful and comely daughters. And the angels, the children of the heavens, saw and lusted after them, and said to one another, Come, let us choose wives from among the children of men, and beget us children. And Simyaza, who was their leader, said unto them, I fear you will not indeed agree to do this, and I alone shall have to pay the penalty of a great sin. 
And they all answered him and said, Let us all swear an oath and all bind ourselves by mutual imprecations not to abandon this plan, but to do this thing. Then swear they all together and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. And they were in all 200 who descended in the days of Jared on the summit of Mount Hermon. And they called it Mount Hermon because they had sworn and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. And so uh, for those of you that don't know this, this is the same story that's told in Genesis chapter 6. It doesn't go into as much detail, but in Genesis chapter 6, we have a very similar story. You can go check that out, but it basically says the sons of God came into the daughters of men. They had children. They bore bore giants. There was these giants that were on the earth. We've done so many shows going through that, going through the Hebrew of it so we can make sense of it and show exactly what that means. But this is the basis where we get all mythologies around, where we get demigods, where we get these half-god beings, these these um, titans, these all these different, depending on what civilization you go to, they call them different things, but it's the same story that is throughout all ancient civilizations. Uh, in the scripture, in the book of Enoch, it really details it from the side of the righteous one, right? Uh, you're going to get all kinds of different sides depending on what you look at, but we want it from the side of the righteous living God. So this, we're going to go into Enoch chapter six. And if you guys are anything like me, you've studied all the mythologies, you've seen uh, all of the different stories that go along with it and how they are tied into this Enoch 6, Genesis 6 experiment slash uh, really, and you, you'll find out that these watchers not only were lusting after women, but they were um, they had an adversary against them as well, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, let's go down here, John, to Enoch chapter 40 and verse 7. And we will come back and we're going to pick up the seven angels. And the big picture here, for people that have studied with us on FOJC, we talk about a concept called the satanic quadrangle. And this is another uh, in-depth look at the structure of the satanic kingdom. And this is so involved, we're just going to be able to hit some high points tonight to give you an idea. But the big picture is, at the top, there are four groups of seven angels. Two groups of seven are fallen. Two groups of seven are not. And the two groups of seven angels, which fell at the instigation of the Satans, they have structured the dark world in a quadrangle. For instance, in Israel, there are four Kabbalistic cities. And this ties into so much that it's a real topic of itself. But what we're going to be looking at here with the Satans, and everybody knows that there is Satan. Not everyone believes he's real. But what people don't know is that there were Satans, plural, in the book of Enoch. And we understand, and we're going to show from Scripture, that Satan is a seraphim, and these Satans are also seraphims. And the reason why there are structures in seven, we're going to show you that there are five Satans that are in the book of Enoch. There are two in Scripture, and this number seven is the imitation of the 
perfect number of God. It's about imitation. It's about trying to reproduce the kingdom of darkness in such a way that it fools people into thinking it's the kingdom of God. And he's doing a very, very good job at that. Now, let's look at Enoch chapter 40 and verse 7. And I heard the fourth voice trim fending off the Satans and forbidding them to come before the Lord of spirits to accuse them who dwell on the earth. Now, who's the accuser of the brethren? It's Satan, isn't it? But here we see in the book of Enoch that we have more than just Satan as the accuser of the brethren. And I think most of us know the story of Job where Job was accused at the, at the throne by Satan, and uh, he had to obtain permission from the Father to bring judgment and trial upon Job. Well, here we see that it's just not Satan, but Satan's. And we're going to see that there are five accomplices here in the book of Enoch that are in reality working against the children of God right now in the third heaven. Now, every believer that's born again knows what the accuser of the brethren does. When you fail, he will beat you to death with it. And the Word of God tells us, 1 John 2 and 1, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when he accuses, we take it to the throne and we deal with it. We don't let him beat us up with guilt and condemnation. This is one of the primary functions of not only Satan, but let's read it again. And I heard the fourth voice fending off the Satans and forbidding them to come before the Lord of spirits to accuse them who dwell on the earth. And you see, this is spiritual warfare right here. And there was a voice fighting with these other Satans that were coming to accuse, you see. And we have something to say about the matter. You see, we can come before our great high priest at the right hand of the Father, and we can have a say in what goes on in this contest here in the court of heaven. Now, in Enoch chapter 65 and verse 6, and a command has gone forth from the presence of the Lord concerning those who dwell on the earth that their ruin is accomplished because they have learnt all the secrets of the angels and all the violence of the Satans and all their powers, the most secret ones. Now, this tells us something here in the text. Um... Almost everyone has heard about Satan. Most people, and everyone's heard about angels. Most people know about cherubim and seraphim. They might not know a lot. Almost nobody except Midnight Ride or FOJC people, and that, it's others, but much less people know about the Ophanim. Uh, and even less than that, the most secret ones are these Satans. These are the ones that are the most hidden by the powers of darkness. And 
Almost always, the thing that you know least about is the most evil and the most deadly to you. And here we're going to see that there are in total, seven fallen seraphim with Satan at the head. Um, the most secret ones and all the power of those who practice sorcery and the power of witchcraft and the power of those who make molten images for the whole earth. And these Satans are into in intricately entwined with the powers of sorcery, black magic, idolatry, and the whole thing, as we would very much expect to be the case. Now, in Enoch 69 and 3, speaking of these Satans, and these are the chiefs of their angels. Now, here again, we see hierarchy, and the angels are underneath what I refer to as the higher celestial beings. And you've got uh, higher than the angels, we would have the cherubim, the seraphim, the ophanim, and over those we would have at the very top, well, the seraphim. The Satans are seraphim, and we're going to show you in multiple scriptural references why that is the case. And this will be another place in both of these places, in the Torah and the book of Numbers 21, and in Isaiah 14, we're going to be seeing another place where looking at the Hebrew is going to help us a whole lot here. But And these are the chiefs of their angels and their names and their chief ones over hundreds and and over fifties and over tens. So we definitely see here, according to the book of Enoch, that these Satans are over ruling the, the regular angels. Now in Enoch chapter 69 and verse 4, we're beginning here the roll call of the five Satans, and we'll get some insight into what they did and what they're going to do in the future. In Enoch chapter 69 and verse 4, the name of the first, Jaquan, that is the one who led astray all the sons of God and brought them down to the earth and led them astray through the daughters of men. Now, in Genesis 6 and 4, and John, would you like to read that just in case we have uh, some Genesis, of our new listeners? Genesis yeah, 6, Yeah, just 4. read Genesis 6 and 4, because we don't want to do things in a way that leaves new listeners in the dust. And I know a lot of this... Um, because so many people just don't give credence to the book of Enoch, you might say, yeah, it's just all a bunch of hooey de bluey. And if you do, that's fine. But I think there's something to this here. Read Genesis 6-4 for us, John. All right, so Genesis 6-4, it says, There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came into, in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children... To them, the same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. And um, when you look at that verse right there, the word giants, Nephilim, and you look at 
look at this mighty men, men of renown. You know, what do you think of what well, the first thing I thought of when I first read this verse and when I first became a believer and I read this verse, I was thinking Hercules. Yeah. I was thinking guys like uh, Hercules and um, Achilles and all these different heroes sure, yeah. of the temple. And the interesting thing about this, David, and of course, I'm not going to go on a long rabbit trail about it, but in those areas where these these heroes were, and if you go to some of these ancient places that haven't been touched by you know, a lot of civilizations, they haven't been touched by Christianity or any kind of other religions, you have this presiding demon that they make sacrifices to and they're always because it's always tormenting them this demon if you don't do this you're going to have sacrifices and and in the scripture it tells us in in actually in Enoch and you have this one in your previous one of your previous slides but it talks about how they continue to go against mankind after they die even they become evil spirits that yeah. wonder the world and do that hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. That's people. Anyways, I won't go into that too much, but I just wanted to kind of give a give a full um, spectrum of what we're looking at here. If this is the first time you read this verse, you are getting ready to embark on one of the coolest journeys and learning yeah. experiences of your life. Because I remember for me, it was it was the best. It was awesome. Yeah. So, And if you think that the book of Enoch is worthless, you know, uh, you don't have to give it any credence. And like I say, if people that just believe the Bible, they're going to be fine. But I believe, as I said before, and I believe this strongly, that's why we're doing on the Subscription Network a complete in-depth commentary on the book of Enoch. Because the more I look at it, the more I'm convinced that it is right. It was quoted in Scripture. Not only is it quoted in the book of Jude, but it also validates the author's the Enoch being the author in the Word of God. So I think this is pretty important stuff. And uh, anyway, this term that John read in Genesis 6-4, the sons of God, this is the very term that's used here. And we see here, and the sons of God were the angels that sinned with the daughters of men, as it says here. So what we see here is, why did the angels leave their first estate and come to earth to cohabit with human women. The reason was the seraphim. Now, this tells us something very insightful. The angels did not start the rebellion against God. It was started by the seraphim, and there were seven of them. And we're going to see the role that a couple of these five seraphim played in the defection of the angels. And here, let's let's read the verse again. The name of the first, Jaquan, that is, the one who led astray all the sons of God and brought them down to the earth and led them astray through the daughters of men. The angels didn't come up with this on their own. It was put into their mind by the Satans. And if... And... And indeed, in fact, if these seraphim could trick angels into falling, we would not want to underestimate 
what they could do with us. Satan, the king of all the kingdom of darkness, and these other seraphim. I think it might be good to know a little bit and uh, say a prayer or two, don't you? Enoch chapter 69 and verse 5. And the second was named Asbeel. He imparted to the holy sons of God evil counsel and led them astray so that they defiled their bodies with the daughters of men. Now, what I see happening here, it's Jaquan that got them to go for it to begin with. He's the one that persuaded them, and it was Asbeel that showed them how to do it. He gave them the actual counsel of how to make the transformation to where they could actually cohabit with human women. And one of the tremendous um, errors that I believe is the Sethite theory. Uh, the Sethite theory is absolutely one of the most unbiblical premises that people put forth, and it's extremely popular in many, many Bible seminaries and Bible schools, and that is this, that the sons of God in Genesis 6-4 and in these other texts in Enoch, that they are just the line of Seth. Well, this is just so ridiculous that uh, a human being mates with another human being and giants come out. I mean, it just makes no sense on so many levels, and that's not the purview of our study. But I mean, that's and that, what you're saying there is not even the half of the proof and evidence that oh, yeah. is there. If the people they look into the original language, I mean, there's no doubt of what it's talking about, you know. And and um, that is a weird, it's a weird theory, you know, the Sethite theory. It's Where crazy. does it come from? What? It, how does it make sense? It just it, it is amazing to me how people can run with that theory. I don't know. It stems from kind of the uh, Sadducee type mentality of nothing spiritual. You know, you don't raise when you die, none of that stuff. I think it might have to stem from that. I mean, because there's really evidence worldwide that this happened. There's evidence, you know, oh, the mythologies yeah. oh, are yeah. all over the place. Oh, that, yeah. And when, what most people call mythologies, I call the history of that land. You know, that's what they're talking about. So. Yeah, and and we could go on and on about this without understanding the sons of God and the daughters of men. How do you explain God going in there and wiping out uh, men, women, and children, many of these places in the lands of Canaan? It's because they were subhuman. They were part human, but not a very big part, and that's because of this genetic inbreeding. So if you miss this, you miss a whole lot. So it's important stuff. And we're, we're even going deeper here into this understanding. But this is nothing beyond the capabilities of these evil ones to be able to have the angels make this transformation. And it was certainly done with very much a demonic anointing of... Uh, Enoch 69, verses 6 through 7. It says, And the third was named Gadriel. He it is who showed the children of men all the blows of 
death, and he led astray Eve and showed the weapons of death to the sons of men, and the shield and the coat of mail and the sword for battle, and all the weapons of death to the children of men. And this Gadriel uh, was the one that, as it states in the scripture, uh, he taught human beings to kill other human beings with gusto and uh, serving the god of war. Now, there are those that say that Gadriel is Satan because he led astray Eve. Well, there's a lot of problems with that. Gadriel is not Satan. He is one of the five Satans. And Eve is just like us. We haven't just gone astray once. We've gone astray more than once. All of us, haven't we? So to, to say that Eve, uh, and you know, this was not the original uh, deception of Eve. That was a big one, wasn't it? But this was some subsequent uh, time when this Satan led Eve astray. What it, the details of it were, we don't know. But we do know that it happened and that Eve was the target of this fallen Satan, Gadriel, and that Gadriel, in whatever enterprise he engaged in, was successful in a subsequent leading astray of Eve after the first big one, if you will. Now, in Enoch chapter 69, verse 8 through 11, and all of these things are huge, um, in verse 8, and the fourth was named Panume. He taught the children of men the bitter and the sweet. Now, this is relating to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the bitter and the sweet, and teaching things to men that they should not know or look into. But he taught the children of men the bitter and the sweet, and he taught them all the secrets of their wisdom. Now, there's a gentleman out there that teaches Gnosticism uh, with the Christian veneer. I'll just put it like that. And this individual says of himself, I don't call myself a Christian. I call myself a wisdom seeker. And this is the term that is used for the wisdom of the androgynous God. And I'm going to show that to you. And there's so much of this that God was originally androgynous. We've talked about this on a lot of shows. And it's popular in a lot of genres, calling the Holy Ghost she. And this is the wisdom of Panume. This is becoming popular uh, through the shack and these series. And the, the author of the shack followed up with his new book. I can't read. I think maybe Eve is the name of that book. But he teaches in detail the female Holy Spirit in his follow-up book to the shack. But it goes on to say in this text, and he instructed mankind in writing with ink and paper, and thereby many sin from eternity to eternity un 
until this day. And it's very true that it's not a sin to write things down, but it's also very true that the writing down of these esoteric texts, this is the work of panume, this occult wisdom. And he says in verse 10, for men were not created for such a purpose to give confirmation to their good faith with pen and ink. The word of God is written by God, and these counterfeit texts were written by the evil ones. For men were created exactly like the angels to the intent that they should continue pure and righteous, and death, which destroys everything, could not have taken hold on them, but through this, their knowledge, they are perishing, and through this power, it is consuming me. And that doesn't mean that every book that isn't in the canon has no value. If it were, we shouldn't be reading the book of Enoch, but we have to be very, very discerning. There are many, many books out there, the Nagamati Codices, uh, Second and Third Enoch, on and on and on. There are many books out there that are not good. They're from the spiritual dark side, and we've got to be able to discern that. If you just go willy-nilly uh, and say, oh, it's an extra-biblical book, that's cool. You can get burned real, real bad. Imagine if nobody wrote any books from the time of the beginning till now. The only book that was available would be the Word of Righteousness. That would have been an amazing thing. And it says, it says the um, men were created for. Where was that? It? it says thereby many sin from eternity to eternity until this day. So people are still getting caught up by this um, thing that has been shown to mankind. Um, and I'm not saying all books written, like you said, are bad. But if you really think about it, if we didn't, if we didn't have all these books to decipher from, we would. It wouldn't be that hard to decipher what's true. There's so many books on every little aspect of every little thing. I mean, I, to imagine how many books have been published from the beginning till now is just overwhelming. There's so much to flood your minds with, and this is big defilement. This is something that defiles oh, yeah. man big time because oh, yeah. most people spend their whole life on a quest for truth. Their whole life they're spending on a quest. Yeah. They can never figure out the truth. They can never fully find it. They can never fully understand it because there's 5 million things they have to consider to figure out what the truth is. Um, so I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit, man. I'm thankful for the oh, Spirit yeah. being able to rest upon us, bear witness to who He is so we can find out the truth and decipher the truth for ourselves. because there's a lot of people in this world that will never fully understand the truth because they're constantly on a quest for it. They're all constantly trying to find out and learn what is the truth for them. And then they get swept away by this book and that book and this book and that book. I mean, when you got 5 million things to consider, you'll never find the truth unless the truth bites you in the nose like it did for me. Thank God. But hopefully that happens to all of you guys listening. The truth will bite you in the nose. And I'm saying that metaphorically, it, you know, <laughs> but, you know, so. Yeah. Yes, indeed. I'm going to give just a quick example of how this um, slips in. And it's slipping in, uh, like I say, through the uh, author of The Shack. This is a book entitled Epidemic. I'll just hold it up. 
It's written by a gentleman by the name of Russ Halk. And I'll just read a couple quick snippets here to show of how subtle this is. On page 340, he says, Adam was created with life within himself, able to reproduce by himself. Now, that's a big porky, isn't it? And this is very much in line with the Nagamati codices that teaches that Yalbadoth had sex with himself, just like a cosmic earthworm, and brought forth seven androgynous beings. On page 341, he calls this crucial point. He says, Adam, the first man, was a pluralistic being, male, female, just like his creator was. Eve was inside Adam. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> Eve wasn't inside Adam. The Bible says God took a rib. Out okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overplayed by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Out of Adam and made Eve. It didn't say Eve was in there and he pulled Eve out, you see. Uh, we go here from the teaching of the Word of God. This is rabbinical teaching. Eve was inside Adam before the rib operation. That's another porky. Which is why Adam was referred to as them and they. So these things are snuck in and they're accepted because people don't think about them. You know, God is not androgynous. This, as we have talked about on a lot of shows is Luciferian. It's not biblical. And this is the wisdom that is coming from Panume that is still very, very toxic and being propagated in a lot of different directions today. In the book of Numbers, now here we're going to see another text where it's very beneficial for us to look at the Hebrew as well as the English in the King James Bible. And this is one of the, the presentations we did back in 2016 on the uh, Exposing the Darkness Conference here in Evansville. And uh, we did the presentation on Now You See TV and uh, Lucifer, the son of Satan. Was that really 2016? I thought it was uh, 2015. Well, was it 2016? I was thinking 2016. Maybe it was 2015. I, who knows? It seems like it was forever ago. Yeah. But, yeah, um, wow. Anyways. But the basic, uh, uh, been a lot of water under the bridge since then, had there? There has been a lot of water under the bridge. 
been a couple typhoons underneath the bridge. Yeah, and a couple of all that. It's been, it's been interesting. <laughs> but my basic premise in this presentation was that when the Bible says that Lucifer is the son of the morning, well, angels don't have babies. And the literal Hebrew word there is shakar. So Lucifer is not a fallen angel, neither is he Satan. Lucifer is a Nephilim. And do you, do you know how many scriptures in the Bible say that Lucifer is Satan? You got it. None. Zero. Nada. And the same thing, and I understand. And it doesn't really matter if you want to use the word Lucifer or you want to use the word Shakar. It doesn't matter. You can use those words. It still doesn't say that he's Satan, whether you see it as Shakar or you see it as Lucifer. Mm -hmm. Am I right? Yeah, and, and Shakar was Lucifer's father. Mm -hmm. And also, in Ezekiel 28, the uh, anointed cherub that covereth. Well, it doesn't say anywhere in this text that that cherubim is Satan. And people just believe it because they're told that. Zero scripture to say that the anointed cherub in Ezekiel 28 is Satan. So I teach what's in the Bible, not what's not in the Bible. Let everything be established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And if you stick to that, you'll do well and, and you'll come into truth. And that's, that's so important. And, you know, cause most of the worldview I know I had when I was uh, growing up in church was that there's really only one group of bad beings out there. They're all fallen angels. You don't yeah. know, the difference between them. You don't know their function. You don't know any of that stuff. And people would say, well, why does it even matter? Well, I think the reason it matters is because we have a world structure right now that is uh, controlled by these beings that we're talking about here. And, and when pe people don't realize that, you know, they when they say, oh, Satan's this or that, Satan's a dog. Well, here's the deal. Satan is actually in control of the world we live in. If he wasn't, he wouldn't have been able to take Jesus Yeshua up to the mountain and say, I'll give you all of these places. He wouldn't have been able to do that had he not controlled them. And right now he has beans and, and all these different things that are actually um, ancient. You know, these things have been around for a long time. There's been a usurping of, of the kings of the earth. There's been a usurping of all of the uh, institutions of the earth. And they have a they have a viewpoint that's ancient and a viewpoint that goes out further than mankind do. Because if you think about some of the plans that they're instituting, there's people been people setting up a one world order when they knew it wasn't going to come till a thousand years later. And why is that? Because there's a spirit driving behind that. There is a actual beings driving behind these things. When we hear the word dominions and we hear the word principalities, thrones, and all these different things, we think. We see the shadow of those things, right? We see the shadow of those things of earth, like Game of Thrones, for instance. You see the shadows, but there's literal actual thrones taking and controlling areas in the scripture. We see the Prince of Tyre, the King of Tyre. We see all that. It's pretty amazing when you really think about what the, what the implications of us bowing down, being brainwashed by the media, uh, deciding that we are going to trust everything that we hear. There is major... Um, side effects to that that cause uh, the world we live in today really i mean when just just to go off on a little tangent epstein you know he supposedly oh, yeah. died in prison you don't hear anything else about it but you have king people that are of, of royal bloodlines and all these different people that are mentioned in his thing but ah he's dead let's throw it away you know we know there's something going on people are starting to wake up and see that but um 
it's an amazing thing. And I don't want to go off on a rabbit trail real too much right now, but I just, I think that it's important that people try to understand that, um, if they don't, if they're not aware that they're trying to be deceived, if they're not aware there's something major and big and heavy and powerful trying to deceive them, like they deceived the watchers, which are way smarter than you are. They deceive the watchers. They can deceive you too. And we have to be aware that the institutions of this world are controlled by them. If we're not aware of that, we'll be deceived by who knows what. I mean, everything's fake. You know, everything that we see, you know, if, if anyways, go ahead, David. Well, think about it like this. Um, and I'm sure there are some people tonight you're hearing for the first time that Lucifer is not Satan and that Satan is not the anointed cherub in Ezekiel 28. But think about this for a moment. And there's no scripture in the Bible for either. Now, if these Satans and Satan were so clever that they deceived the angels of God, are they capable of deceiving the mass of mankind into believing something that's not in the Bible? for the purpose of masking what they're really up to, I think that's extremely possible, and I, well, I, and I believe it. And I could back that up with um, other things, but that's not our purview here. But in our prayer life, praying specific prayers is very important targeted prayers. We talk about targeted individuals. I like to target Satan, and I target him with prayer and with the Word of God. I am going to target him, and I want to shoot bullets that hit right at the heart of what he's doing. So there's more than just an intellectual element to that which we're talking about tonight. Now, let's look at this text in the book of Numbers, chapter 21, verse 8 and 9. Now, in verse 8, And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. Now, in verse 8, the word serpent, if you look it up, that's why I tell people, I say, the first book you get is your King James Bible. The second book you get is your Strong's Concordance. And the third book you get is your Webster's 1828 Dictionary. And you'll all be off to a pretty good start. But here's the value of not just reading the King James Bible. And if that's all you do, I'm good with that. Don't have a problem with it. But here's why I tell people... Use the King James Bible and get a Strong's Concordance. Now, if you do and you look that word serpent up, you're going to find that this is 8314 in the Strong's, the word seraph, seraphim. And literally, what God was telling Moses here is to make a fiery seraphim and put it on the pole. Put the seraphim on the pole. Now let's read verse 9. In verse 9, it said, And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man when he believed 
when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Now, in verse 9 of chapters number, uh, chapter 21 of the book of Numbers, that word is 5175, nakhash, and that means crawly snake. So God says to Moses, you put the seraphim on the pole, and Moses puts a sneaky snake on the pole. Why did he do that? Was he trying to be rebellious? No. He was moving in divine revelation, and this was kind of a test, I think, from, from the Lord. But you see, the crawly snake is the sign of the seraphim cursed. You see, Moses knew something about the book of Genesis. He wrote it, for goodness sake. He knew that after uh, Satan was in the serpent and it was cursed, it took upon another form. And here we see that from this, we readily adduce that Satan is a seraphim right here in the text. And we can gain great value here from looking up a Hebrew word. And this is something, you know, it's nothing that's uh, any kind of um, high chicanery. You can get your Strong's Concordance and you can look it up for yourself. And from this text, we can see and deduce that Satan is a seraphim. So we have five. And if you think about the word seraphim, you know, it means fiery serpent, like a dragon, right? And in Revelation 12, we have that same de description, that old dragon, you know, the devil. Yeah. And it's, I mean, this it's plain and simple what it means there. But that's awesome, man, that you pulled that out. Most people probably have never looked that up. I remember, I remember back in my, when I was going to still going to church, cause I was like, maybe I can come in here and we can learn some things. And I remember that exact verse, bringing that up in a Bible study. And I've got that blank fluoride stare from everybody. And then the teacher's like, well, moving on. And, you know, just moved right on from, from that to nobody even had a, wow, that's cool. What, you know, what does this mean? You know, why is it talking about fiery serpents? They just, there's no it's weird, man. It's a weird spirit at these churches sometimes. And that's why we talk <laughs> yeah. about things that nobody yeah. at church will talk about. And yeah. if you if you know that, if you've been at church, there's not too many times that this conversation will come up. And if it does, they're going to move on. So anyways. And why did they move on? Think about it for just a minute. And here in Numbers 21, we can deduce from this text that Satan is a seraphim. Now, why do they not want to go there? Because they are deeply invested in saying that in Ezekiel 28, Satan is that cherubim. Well, if Satan's a cherubim, seraphim, then he's not the cherubim in Ezekiel 28, is he? So you see, this is going to serve up some meals of sacred cows. But it's right there in the Word of God. That's in the Word of God. What is not in the Word of God is a single scripture that says Satan is Lucifer or Satan is the cherub of Ezekiel 28. That's not in the Bible. What I said there in Numbers 21, it is in the Bible. So you see, I like to teach what's in the Bible instead of what's not in the Bible even at the risk of not being as popular. Now, let's look at another one. Let's go to Isaiah 14, verses 24 and 25. Now, most David, before you go on to this, sure. this is going to be an interesting, interesting one. We're going to go to our break. But first, before we do that, we're going to do what we call the Pounder's Pound, right? All right. My last name is Pounder, so we're going to pound. We're going to, you're going to take your mouse or you're going to take your phone 
And right below you is a like and a dislike button. And if you like it, I want you to smash the like button. I don't want you to break your phone. I don't want you to break your uh, your mouse. But we're going to like or dislike, and we're going to see what the changes. We need help with the algorithm with YouTube. We need help sharing this out. Um, YouTube no longer recommends our videos. Only 7% of our views are based off recommendation from YouTube, where it used to be 40%. So we are uh, having to, to be creative with this. So on the count of three, we're going to do it right now. One, two, three. Boom, like, and uh, give it a good like to give David some juice for when we come back. Those likes give David juice. Yeah. So, so. Yeah, and if you have a can of Palmer's Palmade, you can just toss it into the air at this point. <laughs> All right, here we go, guys. Now, let's get back into our text, and we want to look at this. This is another seraphim. Five seraphim. Five Satans in the book of Enoch. Satan is the sixth, and here's our seventh, the Assyrian. Now, most people know that Isaiah 14, most people associate Isaiah 14, uh, verse 12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? And as I said, this is literally uh, son of Sakar which was a well-known Canaanite deity, a.k.a. devil, that was worshipped at the time of the occupation of the land of Canaan. Now, there's what less people know is that in the latter part of Isaiah 14, there's another very powerful spiritual entity that's addressed, and that is the Assyrian. The Assyrian is addressed in Ezekiel chapter 31 and in many texts. In Ezekiel 31, it says that he was in the Garden of Eden, that he underwent a fall uh, just like Satan, that he was driven out of the garden and cast in to the nether parts of the earth unto Sheol. Very important, and this is overlooked and disregarded by most people, but whenever we disregard things in the Word of God, especially things that are so directly related to our spiritual life, I think we do that most definitely to our own harm. But let's look at this text. In Isaiah 14, let's look at verse 24 and 25. This is the other entity in Isaiah 14 that is addressed. The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass, and as I have purposed, so shall it stand, that I will break the Assyrian in my land. Not Assyria, but the Assyrian. In my land and upon my mountains tread him under Foot. Then shall his yoke depart from off them, and his burden depart from off their shoulders. Now, it goes on to say this in verse 29. Now, here's another place where we're going to see the value of looking up words in the Hebrew in our Strong's Concordance. And we're going to see a very interesting corollary. In Numbers 21, 8 and 9, we saw 
Two different Hebrew words translated serpent. We're going to see it again here. And the significance of this is huge. In Isaiah 14, 29, Rejoice not thou, whole Palestinia, because the rod of him that smote thee is broken. For out of the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrice, and his fruit shall be a fiery flying serpent. Now, in the word translated serpent's root in this scripture is 5175. That is the word nakhash. And the word translated fiery flying serpent, this is 8314. That is our word seraphim. Now, this shows us a whole lot if we'll just look. It shows us that these seraphim are breeders, and there is a bloodline. Just like these seraphim originally fooled the angels into rebelling and cohabitating with human women. He showed them how to do it. Asbeel was the seraphim that showed them how to actually make this transformation. Here we see a prophecy that there is going to be from the root of the Assyrian, there is going to be a bloodline from the root or the seed of this fallen seraphim cursed bloodline is going to come back, a fiery flying serpent. It says, yeah, uh, rejoice not, uh, thou whole Palestinia. But in the day of Isaiah, the Assyrian nation was being driven by the Assyrian, the prince of Assyria here, as we would say in biblical terminology. But this prophecy says, now don't get too all about your little self because this guy's coming back. And when he comes back, you better be ready for him. And there's a bloodline here because there's a guy coming. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he was fully God, fully man, but there's one coming. He's going to be fully man, fully fallen angel. And he's going to come from the seraphim bloodline. And this is the guy we see in Revelation 13, the first beast. So we see here again the identification of the seventh seraphim here in Scripture. Five from the book of Enoch, plus the Assyrian, plus Satan. And this in the symmetry is very, very important because in the kingdom of Satan, which we showed beginning from the doctrine of Christ, it has organization and it has structure that there is this double set. I, well, I'm going to show you that now. I'm going to read this from, um, uh, it's a book called The Sixth and Seventh Book of Moses. I'll hold it up here for you. Now, this is a Kabbalistic book. And this is the text that is used by the practitioners of hoodoo, which is a form of Kabbalah that's practiced um, in the southern part of the United States. It is centered, uh, it originated in Memphis. Uh, it's popular in parts of Georgia 
and in Louisiana, down into the New Orleans corridor. In that little segment of the world, there's a lot of still a whole lot of hoodoo going on, I guarantee you. It influenced a lot of the early uh, blues magicians that come out of Memphis. We could talk a lot about all the lyrics and old blues songs that come from Memphis hoodoo. But I want to read from this book to show you, as I, I stated earlier, and after this we're going to show you two groups of seven godly angels, and we have two groups of seven ungodly angels. Now, on this book, in uh, page 160, uh, and it lists them, it says the angels of the seven planets, and we've also taught in previous lessons about the plantes, and, you know, being a biblical earther of we don't believe in planets as other people do, but the plantes are fallen powers in the second heaven. This is what it says about them. It says, these are the seven princes who stand continually before God to whom are given the names of the planets. And this book is full of invocations, how you call on these seven angels. It goes on to say on page 161, it says the names of the seven angels ruling all the seven ha uh, heavens must be ordered Excuse me, let me say it again. The names of the seven angels ruling over the seven heavens. That's another clue. There's three heavens in the word of God, not seven. The names of the seven angels ruling over the seven heavens must be uttered first, and afterwards the names of those ruling over the seven planets. We've got two groups of seven fallen angels, the seven plantes, the seven angels of the seven heavens. Now we're going to show you uh, in just a moment, before we go to the question and answer, we're going to show you from the Word of God, two groups of godly angels. Now, in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 1, don't just read your Bible, read your Bible. You're going to see there's two things here. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. There's two things there, aren't they? I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Now, the seven stars, the best way to interpret the Bible is the Bible. And that's what we're going to do. We're not going to say, I think this, I think that. We're going to see what the Bible thinks. Revelation 1.20, the mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars, are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So there's no, this is the mystery revealed. The, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches we read about in the book of Revelation. This is, it's not maybe that's what they are. That's what they are according to the Bible. Now, let's look at, Revelation 5 and 6, and let's see if we can figure out the seven spirits of God. We can. It's right in the Bible. In Revelation 5 and 6, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, 
as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Now, let's get a little help from the prophet Zechariah, and we'll see just what this is. In Zechariah 3 and 9, For behold the stone that I have laid before Joshua, Upon one stone shall be seven eyes. There they are. Behold, I will engrave the graving thereof, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. In chapter 4, beginning in verse 6, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts, who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also finish it, and thou shalt know that the Lord of host hath sent me unto you, for who hath despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. So, not by my might, but by the Spirit, Zerubbabel was doing it with the seven eyes of the Lord, the seven spirits before the throne that are sent forth into the earth. So you see, we have before the throne the seven angels of the seven churches. We're, uh, we're going to look at that whole concept on another time. That is unbelievable, that relationship there. But we not only have the seven before the throne, the angels of the seven churches, but we also have the seven spirits of God that are sent forth into the earth. So we have two godly groups of seven angels. On the dark side, we see the seven, the angels of the seven heavens and the seven, the angels of the seven plantes. So we got seven, seven on the good side, seven, seven on the bad side. This was the split caused by the Satans when they tempted the angels to fall. And then we could even take the dark realm and we could bring it down by force. And we could show that satanic quadrangle that plays out over and over and over to show the structure and the symmetry. And one of the teachings, we've done a lot of teachings on FOJC that have dealt with this concept. And one of them was the, I think we called it the four Kabbalistic cities in Israel. And in the Kabbalah in Israel, it explains the four elemental spirits by relating them to specific cities in Israel. Israel. And this gets into another whole level of first heaven spiritual beings, the Stochion. And uh, we we began in Ezekiel, uh, or excuse me, in Enoch uh, 61, and it was verse 
10, and it talked about the powers over the waters. Well, Stochion are water spirits. So there's much, much, much uh, that are involved in this. And uh, when you get into the intricacies of spiritual warfare and deliverance, um, it does, does, does make a difference. I got one more scripture here I want to read, John. Anything you want to say here, uh, John, before we kind of put a ribbon on this thing? You guys are witnessing a historic moment with David Carrico, one of the best uh, researchers and studious men of our time. And I just want to say that. That's what I want to say. Go ahead, David. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I like people say nice things about me. <laughs> you're my pal. You want to say nice things about me. You're my pal. Uh, we, of course, we, I know you're my pal yeah, anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm just telling the truth. I mean, the fact of the matter is there's not a lot of people that break down scripture like this and have been studying it as long as you. Thankful to be able to hear it. And honestly, it makes so much sense. I mean, you went through the scriptures, showed it. You didn't even go through half the stuff we have here. Like you said, that's going to be a whole nother show on some of these things. But um, the beautiful thing about all of this, David, is that we greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And uh, we have the power within us uh, through the Holy Spirit, through the Spirit of God to be the temple to where we can communicate with the Father as a priest, um, which is pretty amazing. And uh, so there's no need to be scared of these things, but to be aware, uh, it's hard to win a battle if you don't know you're in one. You know, if somebody comes up and clubs you in the back of the head with a bat, you didn't know it was coming, bad situation. It's the same with this stuff. If you don't know that there's an enemy actively trying to get you, um, then guess what? You're likely to fall down hardcore with a bat to the back of the head, and that's metaphoric. Ex ex yeah. you know, obviously so my people perish for lack of knowledge as one individual put it and we have been how many episodes have we done on enoch commentary Ooh, uh we are i think 25 in maybe 25 20 something yeah uh, and we have studied and studied and dug in on this and the more we've dug in the richer it's become and the more we've seen the relevance of it and these things, I you know, when you understand uh, the import of that which we speak, um, I, I think it's it's very difficult for me to just say, yeah, you know, let's just forget about that. Um, but the most important thing we want to bring in per, into perspective is Colossians chapter two and verse fifteen, and. All of these little, and they're not little, but all of these entities and all of these beings that we could talk about, we in Christ have authority over them. You see, and that's where we can have faith and not fear. And I love this, and we didn't get to this. We, uh, we need to really uh, give another big picture a show on the book of Enoch in the spiritual realm because we're we're just scratching the surface here believe me and uh in Colossians 2:15 all of these things in Colossians 2:15 and having spoiled principalities and powers he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it now in the book of Enoch and we'll probably get into this into our next uh we'll do another like big picture spiritual world show on enoch to help 
connect more dots. But there's a portion in the book of Enoch where he walks up to the fallen angels. I love it. And he walks up, and this man, Enoch, walks up to fallen angels in the flesh and rebukes them and puts them in their place and reads them the judgment that God is going to put on them. And every time I read this scripture in Colossians 2.15, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. What do you think these Mr. Big Stuff fallen angels felt when they had to listen to this mortal read them uh, what's for? Uh, yeah, but we can read all of these entities, the what's for from the Word of God, not in an arrogant way, but in the cross and through faith in the cross. In the name of Jesus, we have power over all of these fallen entities, and that's what will give us faith and not fear in these days that are ahead.